Countdown. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. We are. We are frowning, We're frowning today. Well, I know I have something to turn that frown upside down, uh, Jay. Yeah. <gasps> what do you I got I just got me? a text right before this, and um, mm-hmm. I just want to give a shout out to my friend Al in Boston. Uh, shout, shout out, out to, to Al. Al. They uh, sent me a text right before we started recording saying that our podcast is one of the few things getting them through their work day. Holy shit. Yeah, um, and they've been wow. listening to it, not just in their earphones, but listening to it on the speakers so that their coworkers can hear it as well. So <laughs> shout out to Al's coworkers. I hope you get uh, all of your frames are uh, straight. <laughs> I guess I don't. I don't. I hope all uh, all of your mats come out perfect. <laughs> And I hope none of your customers make you redo something because they got it wrong. <laughs> I am actually thrilled to be part of what I assume is not a hostile workplace. <laughs> I assume. Uh, I hope. So I hope I'm not making your workplace hostile. I hope you're not. Like somewhere there's a conservative person like being forced to listen to this. And they're like, Ugh. oh, yeah. They um, want to give Al- people houses. <laughs> It's oh, it's great. I mean, yeah, Al works at a frame shop, so it's oh, um yeah, no conservatives need frames. It's not the customers who are listening to it. It would be funny though if you went into an art store and it was just like <laughs> <laughs> it's just us yelling. <laughs> that one hundred percent turned my frown upside down. So thank you for that. Um, oh, I'm so glad because uh, I know you know we've got. I mean, first off. Yep. Uh, <laughs> just for posterity purposes, this is the second time we're recording this because... I wasn't going to mention it. I was actually just going to push through and pretend like nothing happened. But yeah. I just we've... want people to know the realist, the, <laughs> the, the real, you know, we're out in these streets. Okay, no, let's, let's, let's break it down. Um, So we recorded an hour and roughly 20 and minutes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> About an hour and 20 minutes. Um, and so we started to record. An we- hour and 20 minutes where a friend of mine was sitting silently. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and then what we found is uh, only, well, technically only one of us recorded for an hour and 20 minutes. Uh, mm-hmm. And the way we're set up, the way our recording is set up, <laughs> both of us need to be recording. Giggle. Yeah, uh, that's typically. we weren't. And so this is the second time we've done this. <laughs> it was this whole organic bit that we did about you not being here. Uh, we did like this wonderful talk about Brooklyn. I do want to talk about though, because this is the funniest thing that happened to me all week. Uh, okay. You know, as a, a trans person right now, there's not a lot of things. Uh, usually uh, cat calling is not something that uh, makes me giggle, but. <laughs> Typically. Yeah. I, I'm in Brooklyn, um, uh, because, you know, some of us, uh, had to go back to work in a pandemic. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I, yeah. I, yeah, I'm baby. Sorry. Working uh, in a pandemic. It's working in a pandemic. It is, hey, it's a, it's a living, right? It's a living. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I'm living while I'm worrying about dying. <laughs> That's not funny. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Why am I You're- laughing then? You're in Brooklyn because it is funny. So, <laughs> I'm, so I'm in Brooklyn and I'm walking and I'm, I've got my backpack on and I'm walking mm-hmm. up behind these two dudes and I'm coming up behind them. I'm walking a little bit faster and one of them is talking to the other one and he's just like, man, you know, it's crazy because you got all these females now that are just dressing like men and it's crazy. And his, and And I'm at this point, I'm almost like just about next to them. And his friend, who seems like a very nice, sweet man, was just like, yeah, man, that's just how things are today. You know, man, it's chill, (laughs) man, whatever. And then I am about 10 steps ahead of them. And that guy goes, damn, look at that ass. (laughs) And yes, that is me bragging. Yeah, I feel like you just want us to know that your ass is on point today. It's coming together, okay? I've been working on it. But more to the point is this guy had literally just said, I don't understand all these trans men. 
Uh-huh. And then li- literally, uh, cat called one immediately after. <laughs> like, are you saying your your ass is so fine that it actually changed someone? <laughs> like he was he was like, I don't understand these trans people. And then he saw your ass and was like, Oh, I get it now. I'm just saying, yeah, my ass turns people gay. Yeah, there you go. It's fine. Congratulations to you. Oh, That's, thank you, thank you. Oh my god, the squats you must have done. <laughs> And it's, the best part was is after that he said he said, "Oh, look at that ass." And then afterwards he was like, he t- I heard him say, say to his friend, "That one caught me off guard." <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, "Yeah, it did, didn't it?" Yeah, People are always caught yeah. off guard when. And a part of me wanted to like turn around and just be like, in my lowest, deepest voice, be like, "Thank you, baby." But I, <laughs> again, I didn't want to get hate crimes my no second day in Brooklyn. Crime. Yeah. We've talked about this before. It would ruin the podcast. <laughs> it would. Well, I mean, also, it would be terrible. But a, si- a, sure. a very minor side note. Like, I don't, I feel like if it happened, I couldn't be like, oh no, the podcast. I can't be my first thought. <laughs> that would be my first thought. That would be my first thought. Like, as I'm, like, as my face is like slow motion going to the concrete. That'd be my first thought. Oh no! <laughs> oh no! What's the gonna podcast. With the podcast. <laughs> Jay, find the co-host. No, um, that that should not be your first thought. It shouldn't be. Um, first of all, I will say uh, I am happy that your ass is uh, solving problems. I am actually, as as you know, I am a proponent of twerking with a message, and yes. I am proud to say that even without twerking, your ass still has a message, and that's impressive. That's very impressive. You should well, be very proud of yourself. I can't twerk. I can't twerk. I well, give um, it time. You might be able to. When I when I try to twerk, I look like somebody's aunt trying to twerk. <laughs> Can I tell you the secret to twerking? If so, it's a secret if you're a man or if you've ever had a strap on. If you're uh-huh. been in missionary, you know when you're uh-huh. a missionary and you are going for that driving thrust, but you don't really have like legs or arms to really get it, and so it's all uh-huh. hips. That's yeah. twerking. Just imagine oh. you're your missionary fucking someone, and then do the the motion for that, and you'll start twerking. Guaranteed. Okay. Guaranteed. Cool. Like that's. That's literally how you solve it. Like the way you figure it out is if you watch enough porn, like I do, or yeah, I guess that's that's accurate. <laughs> I mean, you I watch enough- a lot of porn, but I just figured that I uh, I was too small to twerk. But then I see these strippers who are like skinnier than me, and they're like doing things. Going and to town. I don't know. Yeah. I just need. I just there's need some more jiggliness that has that, to be uh, there too. Yeah, I feel like I need more of that muscle control, you know, because you see people who they like. They kind of the way that they twerk is they'll like bump like the one cheeks are individually chica. moving. Yeah, and like they'll bump the cheeks up and down, and then they just go faster and faster and faster until mm-hmm. it becomes this like jiggle. And that's kind of where I want to get to. But I feel like by the time I learn about twerking, it's not going to be popular anymore. I feel like the twerking that you're talking <laughs> about is like advanced level twerking. So we're talking like like level four hundred. I'm friends with a twerking. lot of burlesque dancers. So <laughs> yeah, that's a very I'm advanced with a lot level of twerking. Strippers, a lot of burlesque dancers, so I have a high bar to clear. Yeah, um, m- yeah. I should give myself some grace, right? Like I feel like you, you start off with twerking one on one, which is like, all right, just, <laughs> let's just get it popping, and then you advance your way up. I th- feel like two hundred one is once you start like learning about muscle control. I feel like three hundred one is when we start talking about like jiggle, because I feel like jiggle has isolations, a- baby, isolations, and then four hundred one <laughs> isolated twerking building into a much more massive twerk. I feel like there's there's a course and series for this. Uh if there is a twerking college, I want it to exist because that sounds awesome to me. <laughs> but yeah, I feel it's like called, uh, it's called a strip club. <laughs> <laughs> Accurate. <laughs> um so like you're in Brooklyn, which is super cool. Uh I want to tease what's going to come up uh next, well, I guess next from this episode. So we're going to do something yeah. special for Halloween. We we're going to do something are, super yeah. special. I'm uh yeah, I'm I'm taking uh, an East Coast tour right now. Mm-hmm. So I'm going road. around to different places and I just I want everybody to know that I didn't specifically come to the East Coast for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is why to. you're there. I like that you just went to the East Coast for the podcast. Okay, okay. I'm I'm a responsible person, <laughs> <laughs> and you know uh, we had planned a really fun Halloween episode, and we mm-hmm. realized, holy shit, I'm gonna be like in this area mm-hmm. where this stuff happened. 
Mm-hmm. Let's just record from there. And it's a great idea. I'm super excited for it. It'll be our first on location, you know, podcast. Uh, yeah. It'll be great. I mean, we got an interview. Just, we, we got an interview. When we say this is amazing, we're not just hyping it up. Like, it is, like, I'm excited to record it. I'm excited to be part of it. it I'm excited to record it and hopefully not, not record it. <laughs> <laughs> no. I, I, if, could you imagine if we had an interview in while we were doing this? Oh my God. The feelings I would have had. I, ah, uh, I don't have enough apologies. Um, <laughs> I don't. I don't. Uh, speaking of apologies, uh, stuff has oh, happened God. this week. Yeah, stuff has yeah. happened. Stuff has happened. Stuff has happened. Um, <laughs> so I want to start off by saying that uh, in my youth, there were several people that I admired growing up, right? I admired uh, like Chuck D from Public Enemy, for example. And then I got I older and I really started looking at what Chuck D believed and thought and then I realized I didn't admire him as much as I thought I did. Uh-oh. Yeah. Uh, I used to admire Tupac like when I was a kid. I thought Tupac was so cool. And then I got older and I learned more about Tupac. And I was like, okay. I feel like Tupac was kind of just like an art school kid who got yeah. like way too into Very got he was persona. He was a method actor who got way too method. <laughs> <laughs> he was just like, I am acting. And then he got <laughs> shot. And it was like, you're acting too hard, bruh. Um, but there's this there's this like concept where like uh people call it like the vault where like things from your childhood when you look at them as an adult like you shouldn't because it like you have to like lock them in a vault and leave them there because like they're not gonna be good yeah basically like i can't i can't watch dumbo now as a grown black man because those crows man those crows are racist as fuck and (laughs) it's i can't watch even with the trigger warning i'm like Come on, bro. You could have just ripped... These crows are... Wait, did they put a trigger warning on Dumbo? Yeah, they did. Yes. <laughs> it's the reason why I don't have Disney Plus. Like, I literally... As soon as I read they were doing it, I was like, fuck you, Disney, and fuck you, Disney Plus forever. I don't have Disney Plus, and I refuse to pay oh, for it. Oh, God. Because they trigger warn- warning... They put a trigger warning on Dumbo when they could have just cut the birds out they're not even integral to the plot like you no, don't have they're just to have like the birds. a weird racist aside it is like most of disney's racist asides <laughs> um it's just there and you <laughs> don't need it it was just like you know what would be great in this heartwarming story some racism <laughs> and that's what happened <laughs> and this week uh i had something else come out of the vault Actually, I guess someone else come out of the vault, and I wish they had stayed there. <laughs> oh, no. Guess who came out of the vault this week? Well, you should, you know, because we recorded all this before. I don't know why. We did record it. <laughs> The person who came out of the vault and taught me that I should not care for him is Ice Cube. Mm-hmm. And Ice Cube. Here's what happened this week. Uh, so <sighs> Ice Cube first was shouted out by Trump's one of Trump's campaign advisors who thanked him Ew. for reaching out to help them build Trump's platinum plan. And obviously, uh, most of Ice Cube's fans, okay. if not all of them, uh, took to social media to give their opinions on either how brilliant they thought Ice Cube was or how terrible he was. And Ice Cube himself went to social media and was like, look, uh, I reached out to Democrats and I reached out to Trump uh, and his team, which ironically he didn't call Republicans, but whatever. Uh, and then only mm. the Republican side got back to me. And in his words, uh-huh. he felt black progress is bipartisan which <laughs> okay. so so what, what it's hard to laugh me, at it this time <laughs> what you're telling me is that the mm-hmm. the guy who's saying fuck the police that's the guy is currently mm-hmm. working out getting retweeted <laughs> by the people who want the police to murder people mm-hmm. and uh, by the people who actively said that Black Lives Matter is a terrorist organization who have actively said that the police themselves should rough up and mistreat quote-unquote criminals who has said that they are protecting the suburbs from thugs which is highly coded language um, that stems uh-huh. all the way back to Reagan um, all of that uh, Ice Cube was like you know what those are the people that are going to help advance uh, the fate of black people in America and that's the easiest take the easiest thing to take away from this is you went to the racist to stop racism, you idiot. Easy take. 
Yeah. But here's the thing that That's uh not I did a little more digging, right? Oh no. <laughs> I did. <laughs> well, digging uh, is what we do, right? Digging is what we do. So when I first read this, I was pretty upset. And then uh I decided to like I didn't know op- I didn't go into this with an open mind. That's not what I wanted to say. I decided so <laughs> I decided, like, you know what? I'm going to read more into this so I can say definitively why this is some fuck shit. That's literally why I walked into this. And I'm not saying this to then, like, end the story with, but it turned out okay. It is fuck shit. I need you to understand that. It is very much fuck shit, but I went into it with, let's see how much fuck shit this is. So... I found the platinum plan, uh, and I'll just run by the hits because it's literally, uh, two pages. <laughs> um, and they, they give a little bit of like overview. So here's the things that. Now, the, the platinum plan, just so we're clear, the platinum plan is what Trump put it's out. It's Donald Trump's after promise to black America after, after speaking, speaking with to Ice Cube. Mr. Cube. Okay. Yes. Let's call him Mr. Jackson at this point. So it's O'Shea Jackson's his real name. <laughs> He didn't deserve Ice Cube anymore. Ice Cube saying fuck the police. O'Shea Jackson would go talk to the Trump. That's that's how that works for me. I've been calling him O'Shea Jackson. I stopped calling him Ice Cube yesterday, actually. I literally have just been like, O'Shea, <laughs> the fuck are you doing, O'Shea? Um, so here is what came out of all of this. President Trump has made this promise to black America in the next four years. So not in the last one. We missed those four years. We should have came to him earlier, apparently. But for the next four years, here's his promise to black America. Uh, Three million new jobs for the black community, uh, creating 500,000 new black owned businesses, increase access to capital in black communities by almost $500 billion. But that's, you know, that that's the whole idea. Um, Safe urban neighborhoods with highest policing standards, which good luck with that. Commit (laughs) to working on a second step act. Access to better education and job training opportunities. The second step act, by the way, is... uh, for when people go to jail and then come out, uh, right. give black churches the ability to compete for federal resources for the community. Have a real issue for that because black churches don't pay fucking taxes, but whatever. Uh, wait, 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 but they're going to be competing. Yeah. Oh. Competing for federal resources, <laughs> but they don't pay taxes. It's okay. so great. Um, bring better. <laughs> yep. Such, such great. This is nothing but the best to, the, to quote the president himself. Nothing but the best, nothing but the best. Um, and I, I mean that with all the hate and sarcasm I can muster. <laughs> he wants to bring better and tailored health care to address historic disparities. No talk about how we're going to do it, but we're going to do it. Immigration policy right. that protects it- American jobs, advance home ownership opportunities and enhance financial literacy in the black community and onshoring manufacturing to advance jobs and develop opportunities for black owned businesses. Which, by the way, that last one is just some shit that he was going to do anyway or that he's been saying he's going to do. He hasn't, but he's been saying he's going to do that. And he just flipped it to be like, but then black people will benefit from that. And it's like, go fuck yourself. All right. Mm. So that's the breakdown. And when you hear that, you think, well, this is not very good. And then Ice Cube himself was like, well, I've made a 22-page contract with Black America. And in that contract, it is his attempt to solve the issues that Black America has with, uh, well, America. So the issues that, and, and I need to make this statement. I want to make clear that I don't think of, I think th- these issues apply to Black and Brown people in America, not necessarily just black Americans. And there's a real difference there. Ooh, okay. Yeah, there's a real difference because black and brown people in America are being oppressed, but this contract is only for black Americans. And I know that because at the end of the contract, ooh, I didn't mention this last time, but I'm glad I got a second chance to say it this time. At the end of the contract, there is a black American's responsibility, which means- What? It's, oh, let me read you some sentences. No, wait. This is at the end of the. Is this is this the platinum? No, this is Ice Cube. Or Ice Cube himself, Mr. Jackson. Yeah, Mr. Jackson. Here's what he says. Okay. Yep. As we begin to gain social and economic equality, it is our duty to clean up ourselves and our community. This contract is a two way street. As we gain social and economic equality, we must begin to dissolve any bitterness in our hearts for past wrongs. We must become better citizens. Who are more productive on all levels of American society. We really must step up after we pass the contract with Black America. 
with no more excuse left in the kitty. Which, by the way, the phrase is excuse left in the kitty with T's. This motherfucker spelled it with kitty with two D's because he's a dumb motherfucker. But we'll get back to that. Oh, God. A new pride must develop within these new opportunities. And we must fight against negativity, frustration, hopelessness, depression, alcoholism, drug abuse, crime, and violence. Yeah, I want to talk because I just read, well, not just, but recently read 22 pages of Ice Cube's fuck shit. (laughs) And I'm here to talk about how much fuck shit O'Shea is trying to push on Black America. And there are other articles that I read. And actually, I I stand to, to blame for this as well. So this, this I said on Twitter is a cishet black man writing a contract for cishet black men. No one truly benefits right. from this contract, and it misses. Uh, and I said this on Twitter: it misses uh, some of the biggest issues that black trans people have to face, uh, black queer people, and it glosses over uh, some of the largest problems in our society. Uh, and then. Later, I read an article that was like, black women are upset about Ice Cube's or O'Shea's or this dude's. They're (laughs) mad at him about his contract because it doesn't mention them. And then I realized, oh, shit, I didn't even mention them. I'm married to a black woman. And as I was reading this, I was like, black trans people are going to suffer. This isn't it. And it it says so little about black women that I didn't even think about black women as I was reading it. And I take Mm -hmm. I take an L for that. I will personally step up and take that L to the chest. I deserve it because I should have thought about it and I should have pointed out the fact that it doesn't even mention black women. But it it does this thing where it truly tries to solve black problems uh, with money. Well, and also it seems like it's calling black people lazy. Oh, of course. Like there's a part in here where um, uh, under black Americans responsibility that says mm-hmm. all Americans guilty of a crime and apprehended agree not to unreasonably resist arrest, putting others in danger. Mm-hmm. Like what? What you ca- Mr. Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> right. Are you kidding me? Like you went from fuck the police to don't resist. Mm-hmm. What? Yeah. Oh, no. it's, this stems from, a, and, and, you know, you pointed this out as we were looking through it. Uh, there's, like, scriptures in this. Um, uh-huh. And this stems from the fact that, like, uh, and I, I've been saying this, a lot of black people are conservative. Mm. And because so many black people have such strong Christian roots, what has happened is that many of them have very strongly held conservative beliefs. And the mm-hmm. only reason uh, that black people don't, more black people, excuse me, don't vote Republican. I can't say they don't because, like. 13% voted for Trump. And 13% of black Oof. men, by the way, voted for Trump. It was like 8% of black women because oh, black women have no. always been awesome. Yeah, black women know what's up. But Ugh. the reason that more black people don't vote Republican is the racism. Because when you look at the two mm. parties, uh, one party is uh, denying the effects of systemic racism, actively trying to oppress black and brown people. And then like the other party is just Democrats. And <laughs> if you're black, you have a very clear decision. It's like, all right, so at least one party is, and <laughs> I was going to say not trying to oppress us, but that's not entirely true. One party is at least listening to us while they oppress us. <laughs> Best way to put it. But Well, and I mean, a lot of people, I think they have this idea that uh, black folks are liberals and Democrats because... The Republicans are racist, but they're not taking into account, for example, you know, like Prop 8 Mm -hmm. in California, where the Mormons actively exploited that Mm -hmm. conservatism in the black community in order to get more votes uh, to uh, recriminalize gay marriage. And Mormons are Uh, are racist as fuck, by the way. Yeah, their whole thing. They think that black people like got that way because they're like cursed or something have you ever heard about heaven and uh, and they've changed this and, and to, to be fair oh yeah black people don't get their own planet uh so heaven for black people essentially we get into the lobby we can't get into actual heaven but we get to hang oh. out yeah we're not lobby of heaven like it's it's like like a lobby of a nice hotel right it's it's nice oh wow it's it's no it's nice the floors are still marble <laughs> you just you don't live here you just you hang out in the lobby uh and they have recently changed their <laughs> beliefs. But that was something that truly Mormons believed for a long time. And to your point, black people hopped on and supported a mad conservative uh, issue 
because they are generally conservative. My parents are very conservative. It is, it's, it's why truly, if you are black and trans or black and queer, trying to come out to your black parents is difficult. Oh God, I can't even imagine. I mean, I have an evangelical mother and it was hard enough mm-hmm. uh, coming out to her, but, um, you know, I definitely, and, and I know lots of, you know, there are white evangelical people who come out to their parents and get disowned and stuff, but mm-hmm. man, yeah. it odds. is, it is rough. <laughs> yeah. And I think, the other thing that I will say about this, and it's, it's a sentence that caught me, it's relatively like early into the document. So it's right about the point that we started talking about uh, massive bank lending and finance reform. The very first oh, sentence yeah, in that massive, paragraph. Massive bank lending, you know, because you want more people to be in debt. <laughs> the sentence that really kind of sent me, and, and I wish it had been like later in the document. This is like page two. No, page three. I'm sorry. Page three. Uh, there's a sentence and I remember reading this and I literally thought to myself, well, fuck all of this. It says, while capitalism is a good system, it requires capital to participate. <laughs> capitalism <laughs> is not a good system. Oh, no, we, this is, we're here right now in this moment. Like, <laughs> Oh my god! Here's why. Like I've had this, I had this conversation with a, a friend of mine who's a comedian that I met, and he was adamant that capitalism was fine. It was the complexity that had been built into it that was not. And at its at its core, capitalism and the idea of of commodification is sort of okay in a local level. Uh, it is difficult to know, and the the argument is always like, how many fish for this much cow is fair? Because it takes more to raise cows, and yeah, 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 yeah whatever. Okay, so let's talk about how capitalism actually works in our life. Uh, if in a very, very beginning of capitalism, maybe I was a person who spent his entire day fishing, and I had fish, and it was difficult oh, like for me. I like fish. Yeah, I love fish. We both ate fish for lunch. Yeah, I, I have fish cakes. <laughs> I love fish. <laughs> I had ceviche. Nice. And like <laughs> the thing about uh, fish is that like I can catch, I could catch more than likely uh, it would take me about a week to catch uh, the same amount of fish in pounds as it would for someone who to grow a full cow. But a cow mm. takes, you know, several years to grow and age and mature to the point of being edible or delicious, I guess, because you can eat them at any point. <laughs> the idea is, you know, it's not fair for my two days worth of work or weeks worth of work to be equal to your year's worth of work. And that's where money came in. That makes sense. But what's happened is that when we want to eat cow now, we don't go to someone who grows cows. That would be weird. We go to the store. And at the store, we get our cow. It's been chopped apart in most cases. In some cases, it may have already been prepared into many delicious dishes. For instance, you can go get like a frozen dinner with meatloaf. And there are other things in place that gets that meatloaf to your your mouth, not just you going to the store. I mean, you could have a you could have a frozen TV dinner, and you know that comes from multiple countries. Just this mm-hmm. one dinner, right? You know, it's nuts. And and not just that, but also the effort it takes to get there. So it has to be things have to be shipped, supply chains have to be maintained. There are large it, thousands of people are employed to get that steak to you. Or, I guess, meatloaf to you. Steak sounds better, but meatloaf is all of it's true. But there are hundreds of thousands, hundreds or thousands of people employed to get that food to you. And each one of those people uses this same system. So, uh, if, for instance, and, and this is the best way to ex- explain it, let's say we were like, let's cut out pollution as much as possible. And mm. many people try to do that by like buying things that are recycled and are organic and like don't have as much impact. But to sure. get the things to the store to you, the impact had to be made because things have to be shipped across the country and shipped from place to place to make that one item. Uh not to mention most like farms and and you know produce is really produced in mass because there's a massive requirement for it and all of the production and all of the the work that goes into that is capitalism and what has happened is that uh our systems are designed to give us food at a low low if not cheap price it's designed to give us our clothes that way 
everything we have is designed to come to us at a relatively low price with the exception of some very key things that we need, like uh, our housing. That is all set by something else. I went on like a whole rant about that last time. I don't know if I have it in me again. But what I want to make the point is, is that uh, because of systems of production, it comes down to how much can I spend to make this product at cost to me and then receive money at price that is higher or profit. So if I'm trying to make, for instance, like the, the meatloaf dinner, I'm trying to make it as cheaply as possible, which means mm-hmm. if I have people who are butchering the cows for me, I'm trying to pay them the lowest amount of money so that I have the least amount of costs for, and I want them to do it as quickly as possible because I also want to make sure I'm not burning time as well because time is money, which is not, but whatever. Uh, and truly our entire system is based on us getting goods to market as quickly as possible, as cheaply as possible. And what has happened is, uh, and I've said this before, we initially started doing this with slave labor. And the thing about slave labor, V. Yeah. The thing about slave labor is that it is incredibly difficult to replace free labor. And what's happened is that we've replaced it with cheap. Say. We replaced it with cheap labor. So that's why mm-hmm. people can work two or three jobs at like processing plants and work double shifts and still not make enough money to be able to survive and have a living wage. Because the less I pay you, the more I make in profit. And let's add one other layer of complexity to that. Many of the national chains that are distributing food throughout our nation are unable to be in existence without the stock market and without investments from a publicly traded offer or a publicly traded, ah, sorry, without investments from being publicly traded on the stock market. The concept here is that, you know, I'm selling pieces of my company to other people as an investment that they can make and I'm taking that money and growing my business. In theory, that's fantastic. But what ends up happening is that all those investors are expecting returns on their their investment. And those returns come out of profit. If you're not making a profit in this system, you crash, you die, you don't exist anymore. But you can only cut, you can only raise prices so high before people stop paying for it. If you charge me like $20 for a frozen meatloaf dinner, I'm not going to pay that. It'd have to be a really good dinner. There's not a $20 meatloaf dinner that's frozen in any (laughs) place that I I will pay. There's not a good enough dinner is what I'm here to say. But what ends up happening (laughs) is that like you have to find ways to try to like continue bringing in profit uh, at a wider and wider margin, because again, if you have a stock that is not returning more and more dividends, you dump it. And if someone is selling your stock, it devalues your entire company because when they sell it, they sell it. Uh, if they're not getting enough dividends from it, they'll sell it for less than it's actually worth. And then you are getting devalued on the stock market. So basically what you're saying is that rich people playing Monopoly is the reason that we throw out half of our food. Mm-hmm. That is uh. 100% correct. And not on, on top of that, <laughs> Uh, rich people play a monopoly or why most of us aren't getting a living wage because it is ultimately a game designed to only help a small few. That is what it is. Uh, there are people who are very adamantly um, for capitalism and think that it's a great thing. Obviously, Ice Cube is one of them. I am here to tell you that uh, pouring money on the issues that are being caused for black and brown people does not make them go away. Is access to healthcare and housing and education a problem? Yes. Is money the solution to that problem? No. Black people have money now. There are black people who have money. Well, you could have a million dollars and still get shot by the police. I could have a million dollars and still not have the same access to healthcare and housing as someone who is white who has a million dollars. Because there are mm-hmm. practices like redlining. There uh, has been proven that when it comes to healthcare, most doctors, for some odd reason, seem to think that black people can withstand more pain than a white person. And it's not mm. true. We can't. And a lot of that is because we have a lot of implicit biases that are built within us to that. I was going to say to make us racist, but that's not the case that make us racist. Also, at the end of the day, we're all racist. There are things that we are. Yeah. There are things that we see, uh, you know, as a child growing up, we talked about like Dumbo and all the stories that you watch as a child. You've been taking in those things your entire life. You've been watching stories that are biased. We, we just got to the point where we started really paying attention to what representation means for black and brown people, where, you know, the first uh, truly um, huge black movie was in 2019, no, 2018 with Black Panther, if we really want to take it that way. 
Uh, and mm-hmm. if we think about like, like, you know, Crazy Rich Asians, the first real representative movie that went mainstream for Asian people was in 2018. So like, yeah. we've been taking in these like terrible representations and terrible stories about black and brown people and about people of color. And they have been building within us these implicit biases. And it's not just us. The example that I'll use is uh, my wife's father-in-law. We had a long conversation. Uh, he just got on board with the Black Lives Matter movement. But my wife's father-in-law is from uh, Gambia. He's black. Mm-hmm. But right. for many people who are African- He's like the black, OG black. Right. <laughs> 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 the original recipe. Like, <laughs> he honestly- despised and thought of black Americans as lazy because all of the representation uh. he'd seen of them were from mainstream media uh, from America. And it wasn't yeah. until he actually took time to learn more about the plight of black people, to look at the history of what happened in America that he began to understand that is it's not laziness. In fact, there are some extremely industrious black people who are working very, very hard just to be in poverty. Yep. James Baldwin has a saying that where he essentially says, I'm going to, I'm not going to quote it directly because I can't remember it directly, but is essentially <laughs> that it is expensive to be impo- impoverished. And it is. It's super if, expensive. If you've ever been poor, you know how, how expensive it is. And it's not just money. It's expensive in the amount of time that you have to spend. You know, I, I have worked uh, blue collar and white collar jobs. Uh, I've been a warehouse worker. I've been a delivery driver. Uh, I've been uh, home, uh, internet home sales or house sales, home sales, mm-hmm. or whatever. And I've also, I currently work in marketing now where I am a a copywriter, a glorified copywriter and program manager. I I say glorified Mm. because like I, I don't really write. Because you don't believe in yourself? No, I say glorified because I don't write hard (laughs) copy. Like when I think of copywriter, I feel like, like the person who uh, did this 22 page document is what I think of as being a copywriter. You couldn't pay (laughs) me to do this. (laughs) Like I'm not popping out 22 pages for like i'll write for myself like i've written long ass document like novels and screenplays for me but for money you can't no we're good get out of here <laughs> so you wouldn't uh you you wouldn't be a copywriter for um ice cubes no version of the america <laughs> no what i've noticed though is that uh when i was working uh, as a delivery driver, as a warehouse worker, where I'm like lifting uh, 15 to 300 pounds on a regular basis for 12 hour shifts, I got paid way less than I did than now where I spend most of my time like typing on a computer and sending emails all day. It's yeah. it's a marked difference. And that difference exists primarily because uh, in the society we live in, uh, it is actually uh, much harder for you if you don't have access to education to healthcare, Mm -hmm. to housing, uh, because those are three things that make it much simpler for you to live what we think of as being a successful life. And it is wild to me, wild, that housing is a thing that we made up and then we discriminate people for not having. Houses Mm -hmm. are made up. They're made up bullshit. (laughs) They are. They're made up. They're just caves that we made up. That We were like, look, we can't keep walking (laughs) in the caves Let's build our own cave here because I'm sick of having to find a new <laughs> cave. And so we made it up and we we attached it. And this is primarily because of capitalism. We've attached these prices to them where the most expensive thing that you'll buy in your ha- lifetime is a house. It's a thing that we made up that we have decided that we need to have and it becomes a status symbol immediately. Healthcare is something that we need to have to survive. It is the difference between life and death. And we've turned it into a status symbol because of capitalism. Yeah. Education in many countries that are capitalist and in our own country has become a status symbol. That is why there are people right now fighting with the Supreme Court about the admissions in Yale and in Ivy League colleges and universities because those Ivy League universities are status symbols. It is the difference between being in the lower part of our, uh, I guess I, I was going to say stratosphere, but that's not right. It's the difference between in, in the <laughs> lower part, or I was, it's really like, it's the difference between being, and to borrow from India, it's the difference between being in the lower caste of our society and being higher. Sure. College education, where you went to college, is in many cases the difference between you going up in brackets for taxing. Well, and it's, oh, and just, it's one of those things too, where like, if you don't, um, you know, like I, I've been that person who's worked, you know, 80 hours a week and, you know, at minimum wage just mm-hmm. to try and survive. Um, but 
you know, not everybody is going to, like, if you're not, if you've never had to do that, Mm -hmm. you're not going to realize, like, when you see, when I see people who are rude to servers at restaurants. Oh, I hate it. I'm like, this person has never been, they've never been a server. They've never had to work their ass off uh, in this way. And it's, I think it's important because, I mean, with this shit, like, you know, this whole thing is like, oh, this is. Black people have this responsibility and blah, 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 blah. And we have a contract with America. And it's, it's not just black people's responsibility. It's not, it's like, it's everybody's responsibility to try and like work together and make a better world for each other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's also like white people need to be doing that. There needs to be a, con- where's the contract with white America? Like, yeah. To, Cause you, yeah, like you can be fucking racist and shitty without realizing it. Mm-hmm. Like plenty of people do that. <laughs> that's the gap that's in here that is not addressed. It doesn't address, uh, it talks about education, but more in the sense of having access to it. And again, that's from sure. a capitalist standpoint. And, and yeah. if you believe in a capitalist society, you truly do feel that all the inherent biases that exist, all the implicit biases that exist can be overcome with money. And they can't. Mm-hmm. They can't. Yeah. There has to be education for people to understand that they have racist tendencies, to understand that they are transphobic, to understand that many of the things that uh, they have just been internalizing from the stories they've been told from the time they were born exist. And there's so many people who don't know that. And that, that's why we have, uh, and, and I know you have personally experienced this. Uh, I've been calling it the white reaction when uh, you point out mm. where someone said something fucked up and they're like, oh, what? No, uh-uh, no, you're the fucked up one. I mean, and I've definitely also been that person where somebody is too. like, that thing is fucked up. And I was like, oh, you're just sensitive. But I've also been in um, uh, back when I first started uh, going to uh, protests and stuff that like. Before Black Lives Matter was a hashtag, Mm -hmm. and even when it did become a hashtag, most of the people who were out there were all black folks. And it was really, it's it like, there weren't white people out there. So it was like, I, a friend of mine, you know, I was in college and they invited me like, hey, come to this. We're going to be standing outside of the police station and we're going to be reading some things and it would be cool if you could come and support. And so Mm -hmm. I get there and I'm one of the very few white people and a really nice lady came up to me and said, um, excuse me, but could you please just take two steps back? And I looked down and I realized that I was standing on a picture of somebody who had been murdered. Mm. <laughs> awkward. Very awkward. Awkward. Mortifying. I felt super bad. And like, even though I didn't mean to do that, I still wasn't being aware of where I was standing. And mm-hmm. I think it's really important for white people, especially when you're going into spaces that are meant, even if it's, even if now, you know, the protest is mostly white people, Ugh. you know, Portland, if you're in Portland, <laughs> <laughs> I, even I, if you're going to a protest, you go ahead. No, I was gonna say, I apologize for my, I don't mean to sound disgusted. It's just more like a, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't mean to sound disgusted is what I was, I was trying to, like, I'm sorry. That wasn't as disgusted no, as good. I, yeah. I, I, it's taken people a long time to come around. Um, <laughs> but like, <laughs> As a white person, you know, when you're at a Black Lives Matter protest, no matter how many white people are there, you are there to uplift black voices. And you, even if, if there's a bunch of white people, that's a black space because you're there fighting for black lives. That's part of what you're doing. Mm-hmm. So it's it, it gave me some, um, I, and it was, and this is why I'm also not, uh, like people say, oh, well, and th- granted, this person was very gentle with me. Mm-hmm. But I've also had people come up to me and say, you know, when I've said something fucked up or said something wrong or done something wrong, I've had people yell at me. I've had people um shun me and d- not want to be my friend anymore. And I think that's actually a really important thing, too, because that feeling of being embarrassed and mortified and, you know, feeling like a jerk and feeling like shitty, that made me want to change. Yeah. And yes, I should want to change because I don't want to see people get murdered. But at the end of the day, most people are going to change because they want to, they don't want to hurt, you know, they don't, people generally, some people do want to hurt others, but I think generally most people want other people to live peacefully. And uh, most people consider themselves good. It's just that as a white person, when you're walking through the world, you don't even realize 
where your feet are going half the time or where your hands are going or where your words are going and what the things that you're saying and how they could possibly be either racist or transphobic or, you know, and then you learn because I mean, I'm a trans person. I've said so many transphobic things. So I try to give people some space, but I also mm-hmm. think it's important that people recognize if you're white or if you're straight or cis or whatever, and you say something and somebody freaks out at you, sometimes people have a bad day and that's okay. And, you know, that's going to happen. You can just try to be better next time. Like, yeah, when I go to a protest or not, <laughs> I look where I'm standing <laughs> I think it's this is important to think of this if you have any way that you identify that gives you privilege. So, you know, I'm black, but I'm also a man. And there are there's a lot of privilege that comes with that. And I try to be aware of the fact that, like, even when I talk to people who are uh, female presenting or who don't identify as men, that I don't step on them because... I'm used to being able to just say whatever I want to say and interject into the conversation where I want to interject and just be accepted for it. You know, if you're a man and you interrupt someone talking, you're not being rude. You're just being a man. And <laughs> no, that's that thought process as a society is, uh, is damaging when you think about it. And, and if yeah. you, the thing that, that really drives me insane is, is the men who are like, well, that's just being a man. You, you know, that's, just, you're not a man if you don't, if you're not a dick. And it's like, um, Okay, so you truly do believe that the more arrogant and terrible you are, the more masculine you are. And as people with privilege, it is very easy to take a conversation about another less privileged group and center it on you and then ruin the entire idea and concept and thought without even or even realizing that you're doing the damage you are uh, because ultimately we're not doing anything to educate ourselves about our own privilege, about our own biases, about our own inherent uh, socialization that we have been steeped in since we were children, if not younger. And people aren't actively taking uh, or doing the work to undo um, many of the things that they believe. It's hard work. Well, even now, like there are times when like I think things where I'm like, nope, that's stupid. Just keep that inside. <laughs> <laughs> and it's the thing though that, that is hard is, is, is not just like filtering because it's easy to, to filter like, well, don't say that around this person. Don't say, and I know, I know people have done that. I know white people who will drop in words when I'm not around, but the minute I show up, they're like, ooh. Yeah. And I know this. And if you're one of those white people, I probably know you do it because people talk. People talk to me all the time. <laughs> so if you're one of the people who do it, it's like, yeah, I guarantee you, I know it. And ultimately at the end of the day, my goal is when I have those thoughts, I am looking for the source. And I'm trying to root this out. I am trying to first yeah. understand clearly why that is a fucked up thought. Not just that could hurt so-and-so's feelings, which is sweet, but that's not enough. I don't not say transphobic things because it might hurt my trans friends. That's not how that works. I sit down and I think about why that is a truly transphobic and fucked up thought. Why that is a damaging way to think about another person. And then I start thinking, well, this is the damaging way to think about it. What's the correct way to do this? And I think anytime you are in a position of privilege, even as a man, there are things that I, I won't say. I like, I cannot call a woman a bitch. I can't. And it's, <laughs> it, it's something that like, I, it is, if you, if you ever hear me be like, well, that bitch, you should just turn around and be like, oh shit. Like, who did she murder that you saw? <laughs> and even then, like, you could, you could stab my mom in front of me and I would be like, mm, I can't. <laughs> I just and because <laughs> when I think about how that word has been used, how uh it's especially in not just like harming and hurting women, but in holding women back, preventing them from having legitimate access to being able to express how they feel, preventing them from having the same access that I do to jobs uh, of positions of power. That word has been used in so much of a context to hold back women that I don't even want to have the thought process of a woman is a bitch. And it's weird because I call men bitches all the time. Ah, uh, I love the word bitch. And it's going to be, the thing is, is it's, it's, uh, I have noticed in the more masculine presenting I am, uh, you know, the, the less that sort of shit happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it is a very, it's a, it's a, it's a real, it's a head trip. It's a fucking head trip. Yeah. 
there's not an equivalent for uh like the the female equivalent i guess if there is no uh sat uh bitches to female as male is to there's no sat <laughs> there's no answer for that like there isn't there isn't a theme. That's true. That's true. There, and you know, even like if you think about the harshness of it and the the connotation, like even like calling men dicks or jerks, uh, there isn't anything it's not that it's not. There's a way different connotation, and and that's that's what I mean. Like it, it's not just I don't want to say this because it might hurt someone's feelings. It really does stem to this is a train of thought and that leads to courses of action that cause real harm both. Uh, thought out harm, but also thoughtless harm. You know, how many times have we seen someone be an aggressive, um, uh, you know, commanding woman and be rewarded mm-hmm. for it? Mm. And it's not, it's not hap- it's, it's happening more. I think now we're starting to enjoy the concept of a woman that is empowered, but I would make the argument that the first chance that a woman got close to, uh, the highest office in land, we ended up with this shit. And I saw this right before we started recording uh, for the second time. I saw this before the second recording. Um, someone said on Twitter, if Joe Biden had picked a white woman as his running mate, Ice Cube doesn't do all this bullshit. And I can't oh. see a lie in that. I know yeah. black men who don't like the idea of a black woman having a position of power over them. And it stems back, I think, some to the whole tie-in of the church and black community as well as just black conservatism but if you really think of conservatives the idea of a woman in power is both terrifying and threatening to them it's also a little bit thrilling because you know those guys go and see dominatrixes i think that's what I'm saying. i feel like the the thing that makes that safe for them is the fact that you know it's it's, it's a fantasy it's not true it's a power. fantasy yeah a woman is only a woman is only in power. A woman is only sexy when she's in power if she's wearing leather boots. Well, that and like you know, they're still <laughs> in control to the point where if it ever gets to a point where you're it's too much, you just hit your safe word and you're out. And I think there's yeah. still a level of control there. It, it, obviously, there's some giving over, but it's it's a fantasy of loss of control or a fantasy of being dominated. It's not actually I mean, I, being submitted by someone. I can say this as a you know as someone who used to be a uh, professional dominant uh submissive mm-hmm. uh men I, i'm gonna say white men because those those are typically the ones i had uh <laughs> yeah. they are some of the most misogynistic people you will ever meet mm-hmm. because they run around being like i love women women are I, you're my queen i love women i love women but they only love women and want women to be in power when those women are wearing leather corsets mm-hmm. and lace-up boots and all this shit. And then they also, the whole time, they'll be like, they'll, they'll, they're super whiny and they expect you to read their mind and they're like, you know, punish me the right way. Mm-hmm. And they'll be like, I'll do anything for you. I'll do anything you want. What do you want me to do? I'll do anything. And you're like, I would like you to pay me what I asked. And they're like, Oh, how dare you? I thought we had a connection. Anything but that. <laughs> I'm like, um, sir, you look like a troll doll. <laughs> and you don't even have cute hair. Oh, they could at least have cute hair. <laughs> I know. If you're going to look like a troll doll, at least be cute and have a little, that little thing. I've been thinking about gluing a giant. Please um, don't. <laughs> don't, don't glue no, a gem to your hair. stomach. <laughs> yeah, gluing a gem into my belly button because no. I could super glue it in there and it would be fun. First of all, don't ruin your belly button like that. Like, please don't. Like, <laughs> please don't. You have a cute belly button. Leave it the way it is. You don't need to Thanks, Jay. jewel your belly button. You don't. I mean, you can, but you don't need to. I'm not going to pierce it. I'm just going to super glue a diamond. That's in worse. The At least the pierce. <laughs> <laughs> what do you like? You said like it was gonna be better. Okay, no, I'm not. No, do what you want. I'm sorry. I apologize. That's overstepping for me. You can do whatever you want. I apologize. Um, but but okay. Um, don't. I, I just imagine with a hot glue gun right now, like it's happening. Um, <laughs> In my hotel room. Just like, <laughs> okay. So 
I will say this. I know I started off with like, we're going to talk about uh, Ice Cube's plan. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. Here's the thing. There are very real gaps. I'll put a link in the notes to the 22-page PDF so you can sit down and read if you want to. I did read want. it. He read it so you don't have to. Yeah, but everyone who's criticizing it for having uh, gaps and it's a, what it does to address black women are correct. Everyone who criticizes it for having gaps and what it does correct uh, to, to address black uh, queer issues is correct. Everyone who has an issue with it because of how it addresses or fails to address, excuse me, black trans issues is correct. Uh, ultimately, mm-hmm. this is a conservative document written by a conservative cishet black man for other conservative cishet black men. He's just been, he's been rich for 30 years, so now he doesn't have to think about it. Yeah. And the thing that I will say is this, if, so, according to him, his first statement was people approached him and then he revised and said, well, I approach people. But here's the thing. Uh, O'Shea has never, as far as I've known, uh, had a degree in history, um, in Polly's political <laughs> science, uh, not, not even just a bachelor's, but like there are people right now who are, uh, activists with PhDs who are on the ground doing the work to try to improve conditions in the black community who, uh, are women, uh, who are black queer people, who are black and trans, as well as being black men. There are people right now who are very much more qualified than he is to try to at least address some of the problems that have happened for black people. And even if you disagree with me on whether or not capitalism is good, which cool for you, bro. But if you, (laughs) even if you disagree with me, the answer is not going to be in putting more money into the community. Money isn't Mm. going to solve problems. I can be a millionaire. The the example I'll use is uh, during, and you may be aware of this, you may not. Uh, So the Toronto Raptors, their president is black. Uh, And when they won uh, their championship previously, not not this last one, but the one before, they won a championship and he wanted to go celebrate on the floor with his team because he's the one who pays them and he should be allowed to go celebrate with them. So he's walking down to the floor. A security guard saw him and it was just a black man in a suit. And got in his face, pushed him back, and then aggressively attacked him when he tried to get where he needed to go. And it wasn't until a white person stepped in and said, hey, man, that's the president of the Raptors, that he was like, oh, my bad. Oh, man. I just, I'm sorry. I just love that title, President of the Raptors. It is I pretty know good. it's not really dinosaurs, but, but it's still pretty I good. just imagine. I am the president <laughs> of the Raptors. No, it's, it's a really good title. <laughs> but even being president sorry, of the going. Raptors... Uh, an amazing title doesn't stop the systemic racism. And honestly, if that security guard had had a gun or a taser and had used less than lethal or lethal force, it would not stop the assault on this black man's life. Money does not protect you from systemic racism. Money does not solve the issue. I could have enough money to afford a doctor, but if the doctor is still biased towards me as a black person, because many doctors have, studies have proven that many doctors and nurses believe that black people have a higher threshold for pain. And therefore, when black women especially talk about pain and problems they have, they are less listened to than white women. This has been proven through studies. It doesn't matter how much money you have. If you are black or brown in this country, there is an implicit bias against you by everyone else who was in this country, including the black and brown people in this country. I get just as nervous when I see a bunch of black kids like walk up to me when I'm going to my car. And I, I, of course, as a black person who was once a young black kid, realize how stupid that is. But if you don't have that reference or that experience, you don't even have the ability to remove that from your mind. So mm-hmm. the biggest thing that Ice Cube's 22 page document does nothing to address is the actual implicit bias within America. He spends an entire page talking bullshit about black people and how we have to do better, but says nothing about anyone else in America even trying to educate themselves on what it means to be black in this country or brown in this country. Not to mention, he only addresses black Americans. There are people who will live in this country who are black and brown who have to struggle through the same implicit biases that black and brown people who are American do, but they don't get any protections or any care. And if you think 
that black women, black trans people, black queer people, black immigrants, brown immigrants, and brown women, and then all those people don't see that black men, specifically cishet black men, have overlooked them, you were wrong. It is something that has mm. been uh, talked about uh, and, and has been written about ad nauseum. And if I'm being truly honest, I would say black women are done with black men right now. Uh, talk to one. Just if you're a black man, you're listening to this. <laughs> real, seriously, if you're a black man, you're listening to this, just hit up a black woman. Be like, yo, how do you feel about black men? And then strap in because that shit is going to hurt your feelings. And it should. <laughs> it should. Because we have been collectively trash. And I'm saying we. I have been trash. We have been trash. And we are continuing to be trash. If you are a black man, I saw so many of them too. If you're a black man who's like defending Ice Cube and been like, well, let's, let's hear him out. You were trash. You're a trash person. I realize that every episode now is just me calling people trash. But that's what it is. <laughs> we as black men have been trash. I am here to tell you that we don't have to be trash. Not to mention, uh, when we really look at the situation we're in, we can't afford to be trash anymore. We can't. We're at an extinction mm. level point now. Like, and I don't mean this as in, like, I feel like we're going to get genocided out. I really do feel that as a, as a, as a humanity, as a race, it's at an extinction level point and we can't afford to continue to be trash. The problems that are facing us are not difficult problems to solve. Well, let me rephrase that. They're not impossible problems to solve, but they are going to take actual work. Money is not going to solve the problem. Ice Cube's problems have not been solved. He's a hunt worth $160 million, but if he got pulled over by a cop who is not familiar with Are We There Yet, he is in just as much danger as <laughs> I am. Yeah, Are We There Yet was super popular, and I feel like it was right in that demographic that got him like mad popular with cops. But in truth... <laughs> Money isn't going to solve the problem. And until we stop being trash people, the problem is still here. We're just trash people with money. And that's not how we solve problems. That's all I have to say. V, would you oh. like to would you like to join me in saying black men are trash? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh... <laughs> hot topic. <laughs> I... A truly hot topic. I, I'm fucking with you. Please don't join me <laughs> <As> in that. <laughs> As a hot topic American, um, <laughs> 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 Ooh, uh, I'll just say uh, what I can say in general uh, is that men are trash, yes, and I know are. that uh, because I am one. And <laughs> welcome to the trash club. <laughs> uh, I can say that uh, my the testosterone it does, you know. I still have the wherewithal to not say and do stupid shit, but that doesn't mean I don't think uh, stupid shit a lot. For example, I was introduced to a woman yesterday uh, who was very lovely, mm -hmm. and it took a good amount of willpower to not be like, oh, hi, nice to meet you, great boobs. <laughs> yeah, well, to be fair, you're going through puberty right now, so that is puberty. <laughs> I am going through puberty, and I was meeting up with burlesque dancers, and typically, uh, meeting up with burlesque dancers and sex workers, usually, like, hi, nice to meet you, great boobs, isn't necessarily, uh, impolite. a bad thing, yeah. uh, or impolite, because it's basically like saying, like, go, like, you know, going to somebody and be like, yeah, that art that you're selling in this gallery is dope, like, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but it really doesn't mean anything if you're not buying. So here's, <laughs> kept it to here's what I'll say. I don't know if, it, if it'll happen for you, but it, it happened for me. Uh, I, I found out um, as I got older that uh, women were more than just boobs. And I, while I still enjoy a nice set of boobs, I <laughs> actually like women's personalities more now. Um, and oh, yeah. They also have butts. <laughs> great great no, answer i mean it is it is a thing i i think as a as a trans person you know the thing that has gotten me to a certain point is, uh has gotten that has helped me is that i you know having lived my life as a woman i am very sensitive about that mm -hmm. but at the same time i also have never really had boobs so i'm you know i was impressed with them before yeah i'm even more impressed with them now 
they are impressive. I mean, I get it. <laughs> and and it, good, I will say that there's job. nothing wrong with being impressed with boobs. There's nothing wrong with enjoying the feminine form. I think the problem is that many men stop. I mean, there. I also know lots of men with beautiful boobs. Yeah, uh, I amazing. Know, boobs. I know trans men who have boobs who may not want their boobs. I know trans men who aren't getting their boobs removed because they're fine with their boobs. I also know plenty of cis guys who Just have straight up beautiful breasts. <laughs> And like, Beautiful breasts. The, the, the thing that I will tell you that like as you get a little bit further past puberty is you will notice, you know, again, you already know this. Uh, there are women are more than just their bodies. And there are so few men who are willing to uh, view women as that. And, and that's really where the trash aspects come into. I could spend way more time talking about men being trash, but we have to wrap um, <laughs> and you know what? I will do this. I promise to come back and talk about why men are trash uh, at another later episode. And I will bring oh, men with me let's to back it. us up on. I will bring black men with me to back us up on why black men are trash. <laughs> uh, I know the black man. I know the exact black man. I, I will call him out to come join us. Oh, you um, have one in mind. Oh, I, I know several who would be happy to be like, yeah, we're trash. Let's go. Um, <laughs> because Recruitment. <we> <laughs> Oh, we are. We so are. Uh, v, if people uh, want to come have a very respectful dialogue with you, <laughs> if you want to be contacted, I, I don't know why I went that route. If people want to contact you Listen, and you want to be contacted, if you want to, if you want to be uh, come and have a respectful dialogue, or if you just want to come at me sideways, I am. <laughs> all up on uh twitter and instagram um my handle on both of those is at v chatty that's v-e-e-c-h-a-t-t-i-e uh mm-hmm. and if you want to find uh jay uh jay where can people find you oh i am all up on twitter and instagram at adjective underscore j you can find me there feel free to come at me as respectfully as you can because if you disrespect me <laughs> Uh, I'm going to curse Blocked. you out one and then I'm going to block you. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I'm going to curse you out and I'm going to block you. That is my MO. Uh, if you want to find the show, you can find us at frown town pot, both on Twitter and Instagram. And we are not on Facebook. Why V? Yeah. Because fuck Facebook. Now uh, it's, it's forever. A, now forever. It's uh, stupid and racist and transphobic and terrible. I hate it. Ugh, it's the worst. That's everything I have to say for the show. Thank you for listening. V, I am so happy that you joined in from Brooklyn. This is dope. Um, I'm so glad we finally got it to work. <laughs> I, I told you I was going to pretend like I'm, I'm pretending like this was the first time. Every time, baby. It's, uh-huh, I don't know about another show. What you talking about? I deleted that track and it did I not exist. I love transparency and the humanity of failure. <laughs> I, am in, I am in show business. We don't hot show what's behind the curtain. <laughs> <laughs> But thanks for listening. We got a super dope Halloween show coming for y'all. It's so dope. Oh my God, you guys, you guys. You yeah, guys. it's going to be amazing. Please, please tune in. We're going to have so Claire dope. Pluton. It is so dope. And that's all I'm going to say. It is so, so very dope. You guys, you guys. Hey, <laughs> hey, hey. It's dope. It's so dope. It's so dope. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see y'all next show. All right. Bye. Bye.